You know, in our series entitled After This Life, we have learned much about what happens after this life, and we've also learned many truths both about heaven and also about that awful alternative, that place called hell. But I think so far the most distinctive truth that we all need to understand is this. There is more after this life. There is more after this life. We don't just cease to exist. Therefore, we better be prepared. We better be ready. Paul wrote to a church not unlike our own. And in 1 Corinthians 15.35, Paul asked two questions that concern every one of us here today and everybody listening online. Those two questions were these. The first was, how are the dead raised up? You need to know the answer to that question. Two, Paul asked, what kind of body do we have when we're raised up? You need to know the answer to that question. You see, Paul was writing to some Christians who were struggling with the same issue of what happens after this life. These folks were living about 20 years after the resurrection of Jesus, but they're thinking, they're thinking about life, they're thinking about death was still being majorly influenced by the culture that they were living in. Sadly, we too allow our culture to influence how we think about life and death. But our belief, our belief should be in what God says and not what the culture around us says. So far in God's Word, the Bible has shown us that physical death is merely a separation between the body and the spirit. It's a separation between the physical and the spiritual. When a believer dies, his body may be committed to the grave, but his or her soul or spirit immediately, according to the Bible, is in the presence of the Lord. But did you know that death is an abnormal condition? Death is an abnormal condition. Why? Because death tears apart what God had originally intended for our lives to be. God originally intended for our bodies to last just as long as our souls. And so we need to understand that this is an abnormal condition. It goes against God's original intent for humanity. The reason that our bodies break down and die is not because they're made of flesh. The reason that our bodies break down and die is because sin has infected our bodies. Now, the truth of Jesus' resurrection confirms that we are made up 
of both spiritual and physical beings. God will at some point in the future rejoin those two components of who you are. You are a physical person, yes, I see you, but you are also a spiritual person. And at one some point in the future, those parts will be separated, but God will rejoin the physical and the spiritual. Now, most believers could care less about what happens to their body after this life. They just hope that there's enough ibuprofen and been gay and duct tape to keep them up and running for a little while. Amen? So today, I want to share with you what the Bible says about your physical body. Did I say physical? The Bible addresses your physical body. You see, the Bible says that one day, your physical body is going to experience an ultimate makeover. Your physical body will experience an ultimate makeover. Friends, the Bible says that you and I can look forward to a brand new body. Now today, I want to share four truths with you about our heavenly makeover. And that's found on page 1023 in the Bibles in front of you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 35. Listen to what Paul writes to the church at Corinth. But someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other kind of grain. But God gives it a body as He pleases, and to each seed its own body. All flesh is not the same flesh. There is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another flesh of fish, another of birds. There are also heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the glory of the earthly is one, and the glory of the heavenly is quite another. There is one glory of the sun, one glory of the moon, one glory of the stars, and one star differs from another in glory. So also is the resurrection of the body, the physical body. The body is sown in incorruption or incorruption, it is raised in incorruption. It is sown in the ground in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, but it is raised up in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. And the last Adam, referring to Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. We all know that. And afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, and he was made of dust. The second man, Jesus, is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also are those who will be heavenly. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, 
we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. That's good news. And if you believe this gospel, friend, the Bible goes on to say, Now I say to this, say to you, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. And so when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the prophecy saying that death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Be immovable. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. In the Lord. Friends, the first truth about this heavenly makeover that I want to mention to you is that our new body will be real. It will be real. In verse 36, Paul addressed the first question. How are the dead raised up? But what's he really saying here? Well, he's saying two things. One, he's saying that the death of the old is necessary for the resurrection of the new. Did you hear what he said there in verse 36? What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. That makes sense to me. Right? I can't have the new until the old is passed. Right? Paul is saying there's no way to receive the new unless the old has died. Now there's a second thing that he's saying here. And that is that the new body is part of the old. It's part of the old body. Again, look in there in verse 36. He says, Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you don't sow that body that shall be, but mere grain or wheat or some other kind of grain. But God gives it a body as He pleases and to each seed its own body. So what's Paul doing here? Paul is using the illustration of a seed to help us understand the relationship between the old you and the new you. He says the seed is different from the the fruit that it will produce. The seed is different from the fruit that it will produce. For instance, a pumpkin seed is different from a pumpkin. Somebody say amen. Right? It's different from a pumpkin. But, You can't get a pumpkin unless you plant a pumpkin seed, right? So he's saying the seed is different from the fruit that it will produce. Paul is saying here that your resurrected body will be a brand new you. You're all going to turn into pumpkins, amen? I'm only kidding. But you're going to experience a brand new you, a brand new body. Christian young lady... Joni Erickson Tata was paralyzed in a diving accident. And Joni says it well, saying, Somewhere in my broken and paralyzed 
body is the seed of what I shall become. She says, according to God's word, I am a new, I will be a new creation. Yes, right now I have legs and they are shriveled up and useless. But I will have legs that will be strong and functioning in my new resurrected body. Friends, at age 14, I professed my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And I know, knew then and I know now that I was forgiven of my sin. And I knew then and I know now that I was saved from the penalty of my sin. And according to God's word, right then and there, I became a new creation. But I was still in the same body as before. I hate to say that. I was still in the same body as before. I was still Bill. But I was a significantly changed Bill. I went from a seed... To a pumpkin. Well, when I die, I'm going to undergo yet another change. And then when my body is resurrected, I'm going to undergo yet another change. But here's the key I want you to get. Through all of those changes, I'm going to continue to be the bill that I was and the bill that I always will be. I'm just going to be a pumpkin. Amen. So not only is the new body real, but our new body will also be recognizable. One of the most often asked questions about heaven is one I mentioned a couple weeks ago, which is, will we know our loved ones and will our loved ones know us? Well, the only true example that we have of what a resurrected body will or won't do or even what it will be like is what we read of Jesus after he was resurrected and before he ascended to heaven. We know that Jesus walked on the earth in his resurrected, glorified body for 40 days. And in those 40 days, Jesus gives us a glimpse of what we might be like with a glorified, resurrected body. We're going to have bodies like Jesus. I didn't say we're going to be like Jesus. Little Jesus is running around. But we're going to be like Jesus. And here's the kicker. The same body that Jesus had before he died was recognized by his friends after he was resurrected. They recognized him. They recognized him. Now, Amy Carmichael, an author, said this. She said, will we know each other in heaven? She said, will we love Will we remember each other in heaven? She says, don't you doubt it for a minute. I believe that too. I mean, would you be yourself without all your collective memories? We can't expect that the Lord would be himself without his memory. I don't think that we can be ourselves without our memories. Yet, when the resurrected Lord appeared... He was so different, at first the disciples didn't even recognize him. They didn't even know who he was. He had risen from the dead, but still his body bore the marks of the cross. And that was the only way that his friends knew it was their Lord. He had a real body that could touch and be touched 
Jesus had a real body that could eat and did eat. So not only is our new body going to be real, not only will our new body be recognizable, but our new body will also be radically different. The second question in verse 35, the Corinthians asked Paul, what kind of body will be suitable for an eternity in heaven? What kind of body are we going to have? And in verse 42 through 49, Paul addresses that, that question by uh, bringing up a series of contrasts, things that are different from one another. So how will the new body be radically different? How will the new body be suitable for heaven? Well, first of all, we see that flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God, right? We need to remember that in verse 50. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. That always brings me comfort. Whenever I've lost a loved one, I'm reminded, hey, flesh and blood can't inherit the kingdom of God, and I want my loved one to inherit the kingdom of God. Right? So that brings me comfort. But the first thing that we see that our body will be uh, to be suitable for heaven is that our new body will be indestructible. In verse 42, Paul said, So also will the resurrection of the dead, for the body is sown in corruption, but it's raised in incorruption. What does that mean? Well, it's good to know that our glorified, resurrected bodies are going to be indestructible. Absolutely indestructible. Our new bodies will not be like these old bodies. These old bodies wear out. Somebody testify to that. Amen. They wear out. We get old and we begin to notice that things don't quite work like they used to work. Amen. We begin to realize that that old saying that what doesn't hurt doesn't work is really, really true. Amen. We realize that. And friend, listen. No matter what those infomercials will tell you, you cannot reverse the aging process. Oh, friend, you might be able to slow it down a bit. You might be able to cover it up a bit. But you can't stop the aging process. And so we need to realize that our new bodies will be made to last forever. Our new bodies will not be subject to disease. Our new bodies will not be subject to decay. Our new bodies will not be subject to aging our new bodies will literally outlive the stars. Our new bodies are going to be indestructible. But Paul also says that our new bodies will also be glorious. In verse 43 he says, Our bodies are sown in dishonor, but they are raised in glory. That's good news because that word for glory in this context means brilliance. Brilliance. Our new bodies are going to be glorious, just like that of the risen Jesus Christ. In Philippians 3.21, the Bible says that Jesus Christ will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be conformed to his glorious body. We're going to be like Jesus in glory. What a blessing that is. And right there in verse 49, notice this too. And as we have borne the image of the man of dust... We shall also bear the image of the heavenly man, Jesus. So, we're, new bodies going to be indestructible. They're going to be glorious. But our new bodies will also be powerful. 
The Bible said in verse 43 that it will be sown in weakness, but it will be raised in power. Powerful. We're going to possess new bodies with abilities far beyond what you can ever imagine. Now again, reflecting back on what uh, Jesus' resurrected body looked like and how it behaved in the world that he was walking around in, we realize that uh, these things are going to be possible for us. Not absolute, but possible for us. We're going to possess new bodies. They're going to have abilities beyond what we can ever imagine. After the Lord's resurrection, Jesus used his power to come and go as he wanted to. Doors didn't mean nothing to Jesus. Distance didn't mean nothing to Jesus. I mean, it was not an obstacle. Matter of fact, let me give you an example. In John chapter 20, in verse 24, uh, listen to this story. Now Thomas, called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus originally came. But the other disciples therefore said to him, We have seen the Lord. And so they said to Thomas, Unless I see the hands and the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails, put my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, the disciples, the disciples were there again inside and Thomas with them. And Jesus came, the doors being shut. I don't know how he showed up, but he just showed up with the doors being shut and Jesus stood in their midst and he said, hey guys, peace to you. (laughs) Peace to you. And he said to Thomas, Thomas, reach your finger here and look at my hands. Reach your hand here and put it into my side. Do not be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord... And my God. And Jesus said to Thomas, Thomas, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Friend, listen, I'm not saying that we're going to be exactly like Jesus. I'm not saying that we're going to have the same power as Jesus. All I'm telling you is, is that whatever abilities our glorified bodies are going to possess, they'll be far more than you could have ever, ever dreamed of. It's going to be awesome. The new body is indestructible. It is glorious. It is powerful. But our new bodies will also be infinite. Paul said it is sown a natural body, but it is raised a spiritual body. Now to say that we're going to have a spiritual body doesn't mean that you're going to be floating around spirits up in heaven. No, many Christians have come to the conclusion thinking that life in heaven is going to be just some kind of spirit, for lack of a better way to say it, kind of a ghostly existence. But that's not true, friend. We're not going to be in heaven as a ghost-like spiritual being. And Jesus reassured his disciples of this fact in Luke chapter 24. Listen to what happened. Now as Jesus was speaking... He stood in the midst of them and he said, Peace to you. But they were terrified, frightened, supposing that they had seen a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you troubled and why do doubts arise in your heart? Behold my hands. Behold my feet. See that it is I myself. Handle me. And see that a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. 
But for a while, they still did not believe for joy, and they marveled. And he said to them, do you have any food here? That's my kind of Jesus right there, amen. You got any food here? And so they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some banana pudding. I'm sorry, I didn't read that right. So they gave him a piece of broiled fish and some honeycomb. And Jesus took it and ate it right there in their presence in his glorified, resurrected body. R.A. Torrey, great pastor from years back, writes this. He said, Christians will not be disembodied spirits in heaven. We will be those redeemed spirits with redeemed friends and family. We will have redeemed bodies surrounded by redeemed people in a redeemed universe. We'll be raised with a body that's suitable for our new life in heaven. And it will be real. And it will be recognizable. And it's going to be radically, radically different. But finally, I want you to know that our new body is going to be received at Christ's return. In verse 51, Paul said, Behold, I tell you a mystery. That means you ain't going to know all the answers. I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will rise incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Changed. So Paul is answering that question, who will be resurrected and when? And he goes on to uh, explain the sequence of events in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And here's what he writes. He said, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. When do we receive these infinite bodies? When do I get my indestructible body? When are we going to get our glorious body? When are we going to get that powerful body? You're going to get it when the Son of God returns to give it to those who have placed their trust and their faith in Him and Him alone for salvation. So if you want something better than what you got, make sure you put your faith in Jesus Christ. Because that's the only way you're going to get this heavenly makeover. Everybody knows one of our forefathers, Ben Franklin. Well, Ben Franklin wrote an epitaph for himself to be inscribed on his tombstone when he was still a young man. And it wonderfully encapsulates uh, the meaning and the truth of what Paul wrote to the Corinthians. Here's what Ben Franklin wrote. He said, here lies the body of Ben Franklin, a printer. Like the cover of an old book with its contents torn out, but the work shall not be lost, for it shall appear once more, but only in a new and more elegant edition, revised and corrected by the greatest author the world has ever known, the Lord God 
of creation. Boy, I think he nailed it. I mentioned before that in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Behold, the old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I read that and I asked myself, okay, how is that possible? Just how does Jesus propose to make people a new creation? How do I get that kind of makeover? Well, in Luke chapter 22, just before he was crucified, Jesus did a masterful job of illustrating how we receive this incredible, glorious makeover. And here's what he says. In verse 15 of Luke 22, he said, With fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you that I will no longer eat of it, get this, until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Here we have Jesus looking forward to the kingdom of God. So in an incredible picturesque way, Jesus tells us how this occurs. He tells us and commands us to never forget the only way whereby lost sinners can become part of the glorious kingdom of God. And here's what he says. He says, Jesus took bread. If you would, these are in front of you. And I want you to just peel that top portion off. Feel that bread. Just hold it up when, you, when I'm, you've gotten it so I can see. Jesus said that he took bread. Everybody with me? All right. Jesus took bread. In verse 19, he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you, do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, how do we begin to thank you for you giving your body for us? We praise you today, and Lord, we want to say with one unified voice, as your body, Lord, we will not forget ever and so, Father, I pray as we are reminded this morning of what you gave for us, Lord, we would spread that glorious good news that you gave your body. In your name we pray, and all God's people said, let's partake together. Now, afterward, the Bible says that Jesus took the cup if you'll peel back that portion of juice there. Cassie really likes that bread. I made that one special for you. 
in verse 20, the Bible says, Likewise, Jesus also took the cup after supper. And he said, This is the cup of my new covenant, my new promise to you. A new promise in my blood, which is shed for you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we have for your body, we also praise you for the blood you shed on Calvary's cross. It was shed for us. Lord, I pray that anytime we visualize you upon the cross, Lord, we realize that it is for us personally that you shed your blood. Father, we look way past the cross and we look to your glorious resurrection. And Lord, we're so grateful that you saw enough in us, enough worth keeping, that you would shed your blood to save us. In your name we pray and all God's people said. So, in this graphic, interactive way, Jesus tells us how we can become part of the kingdom of God. And simply said, it's this. Trust that Jesus gave his body for you. Believe that Jesus took your penalty for sin upon his body. Furthermore, trust that his blood was shed for you. Believe that Jesus covered all your sin, the sin of your past, the sin of this morning, and the sin of tomorrow. And he did it with his blood. Do you trust the Lord's ability? The Lord's ability alone to save you, to provide you with this heavenly makeover we've been talking about this morning, to grant you an eternity with Him in heaven after this life, I want you to know that today you can. Again, in 2 Corinthians 5.18, Paul said, Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ. Friends, you need to know this morning what reconciled means. Reconciled means to reestablish a broken relationship. Before you came to Jesus, if you're still lost in your sin, your relationship with Jesus is broken. And it stands in need of being reestablished. And that is exactly what God has done in Jesus Christ. Now, it goes on further than that because it's not just for the lost sinners. This is also for believers today. Believers, does your life show evidence of whom you trust for your salvation? Because listen carefully, returning to that same passage, not only has God reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, but he's given us something He's given me, you, and all the believers around you a ministry that he calls 
the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of helping others to reconcile and reestablish their relationship with God. If there's any other calling on your life, this one takes precedence. You have been given a ministry whereby you help other people reestablish their relationship with God. And what is that ministry? He tells us here that it was God in Christ helping them to reestablish their relationship with himself, not holding their sins against them, but he's committed to us. Not only has he given us this ministry, he has committed to us this word of reconciliation, committed to us this word of helping others to reestablish their relationship with God. God takes this very seriously. Now then, we are ambassadors, representatives for Christ. As though God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Reestablish your relationship with God. For God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Friend, there may be changes you need to make today. I want you to know that whatever changes are necessary for you to make, you can make those changes today. If you're lost and you have fear that you won't have this heavenly makeover, you need to make sure you do something about that today. If you're a believer, but you have not taken up this ministry of reconciliation... You're falling short. We are falling short. Let us be about God's business of helping others to see the desperate need they have to have their relationship with God reestablished.